Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 39. Genesis 39. We're going to continue in a series called Joseph's Journey Wrapped in Grace. And Joseph will be the center of all we talk about until the end of the book. We're going to talk about temptation tonight, and uh, if you don't feel like you need any teaching on dealing with temptation, you might want to go ahead and just leave now. Uh, but I think we, we all could use that, amen? Father, we, just, uh, we come before you, we're just glad to be together again, and we thank you for your grace. Your grace is perfected in weakness, Lord, and uh, we can see how you work in our lives and Infuse us with your grace. Give us the grace that we need, the favor that we need from Almighty God. Grace is a beautiful uh, theological term. It's charis in Greek, and it, it really speaks of your benevolence, your goodness, your favor, unmerited favor from God to us. And we're so grateful for it, Lord. And we're going to need it tonight as we talk about temptation and look at some really... Uh, maybe even tough things tonight about, you know, this, this scene will remind us of maybe victories we've had, but even failures. And Lord, we're not here to be condemned. We know there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But we are here to be exhorted, certainly, and we're here to be challenged. So whatever you want to say to us, give us ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church, your church, purchased with your blood. We lay this time at your feet, and we pray that in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an Egyptian officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the bodyguard, Genesis 39, 1, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. So as I mentioned, Joseph becomes the focus. We had one chapter in between that dealt with Judah, that was Genesis 38, and we saw that scene, and now we return to the story of Joseph, and Joseph was certainly the favored son, as we've depicted in the graphic behind me, he was given a coat of many colors by his dad, and he was the favorite son probably because he was the firstborn of Jacob's favorite wife, his true love. And so Joseph was a young man of favor, but jealousy sprung up in his brothers, and he shared a couple of dreams that he had about how the family was going to bow down to him, and it probably wasn't that great of a thing to share, but he shared it, and they didn't take a liking to it, of course, and so they plotted to kill him. Genesis 37, if you take a peek back, we see... Um, what happened to him? Genesis 37, verse 36, the last verse. It says, Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. So the story gets picked up now in Genesis 39.1 as we had the break in Genesis 38. And we pick up the story that Joseph has been taken down to Egypt. Now Joseph will go to Egypt. And Joseph will be there, and God will work all things together for good. And we've suggested that the theme verse for the book of Genesis could well be Genesis 50, 20. What you intended for evil, God intended for good, to bring about 
the present result and to save many people alive. I would submit to you, that's a pretty good theme verse for the book of Genesis, especially the life of Joseph. Joseph was a young man in a Jewish household. We know Jacob became Israel, and they were very much monotheistic, very much, you know, they had had encounters with God from Abraham, Isaac to Jacob. God was imparting truth. He was revealing himself to the family of Israel, which would become the nation of Israel. So for Jacob to be sold into slavery was a very, very difficult thing on many levels. One, he was betrayed by his own family, and here's where he becomes a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll pick up some of the typology as we look at Joseph's life. He was betrayed by his own, betrayed by his brothers, if you will. Uh, sold for, you know, in, in, Jacob's, uh, in, in Joseph's case, he was sold by his brothers to these uh, slave traders, and in Jesus' case, sold for 30 pieces of silver by his familiar friend, as we talked about on last Sunday. And so here is Joseph. Uh, Joseph, of course, went to a place hundreds of miles away that would have been not only a shock that he was betrayed by his family, but a shock culturally speaking as well. He didn't know the language. He didn't know the culture. He didn't know the religion. He didn't know really anything about this place. And if you've done any study on the uh, Egyptians and you have studied, for example, the book of Exodus, you know that they were polytheistic. There were pyramids everywhere. They, they had this uh, fascination with the dead. They had a God for everything. In fact, when you get into the book of Exodus, you see that the ten plagues that God uh, put on the Egyptian people were all plagues against their gods. Everything to them was, the God, was a god or a goddess. They had a sun god. They had a god of the sky. They had a god for the Nile. They even thought the Pharaoh was a god. And so this is the kind of culture that Joseph is now thrust into, and he's put into a house that we would call a house of, uh, of an aristocratic family. This is the captain of the bodyguard. He has certainly a very high, elevated position in the nation of Egypt, a, a place of favor, a place of power, a place of opulence. We find out in this household that there are many servants to Potiphar and to his wife. And we're going to watch Joseph elevate in that household. But before we see him elevate, we need to think about how much he's already been through. When this all went down, he was only 17 years old. Can you imagine being betrayed by your family, going into Egyptian slavery at 17? Can you imagine how different his life had become? He was the favored child. He had a blessed existence. Even though there was tension among the siblings, he still was a blessed young man, blessed of his father. And now he's a slave in a foreign land. Nobody cares about him. How much of an adjustment period did he have to have to try to figure out the language and the culture and the polytheism and all that was going on? I'm sure part of his thinking was just survival. But Joseph was a man with a different spirit. And even though he was sold into slavery, he decided that he was going to do something with his life, even though he might not have understood everything that was going on. There's an interesting psalm, and that, this psalm applies uh, Psalm 105, if you take a peek with me, Psalm 105. This psalm applies, I think, to his jail experience, although you could make application to when he was sold into slavery. Psalm 105, 
Pick it up in verse 16. Psalm 105, 16. It says, And he called for a famine upon the land. Psalm 105, 16. He broke the whole staff of bread. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. Psalm 105, 17. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. Now, Joseph had had a few dreams, if you turn back to the book of Genesis, and those dreams may have encouraged him during this time because Joseph was told that people were going to bow down to him, even his own family members. That certainly had not come to pass. He knew these dreams were from God. He knew he had gotten a word from God, but his circumstances were anything but this. He wasn't in a place of power or prestige. He was in a place of bondage and slavery. So sometimes we look at the promises of God and we, we wonder, well, you know, things are not great for me right now. Maybe it's, it's tough sledding for you and you're wondering, well, how does God's plan work out in my life? Well, think of what Joseph had to face. He had to face a tough task. But he was a man of high character, a man where his ethics would shine. In fact, you would have to say that in terms of just biblical characters, people in the Bible that we're able to study, Joseph is like, as one writer put it, like a skyscraper among those who are even in the Bible. A man of great honor and faith in times of very difficult testing and temptation. The key to Joseph's life is found in Genesis 39.2, and it's true for us as well. Hebrews 13.5 and 6 says, The Lord will never leave us or forsake us. And the Bible says in Genesis 39.2 that the Lord was with Joseph. And if you're a Christian, the Lord is with you as well. It doesn't mean that his circumstances were all perfect, but the Lord still was with him. The Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. We're reminded once again that Joseph's in a foreign land, but he has become a successful man. And we'll see the measure of his, of his success in a moment. I guess as, as successful as you can be as a slave or a servant in somebody's household, that's what Joseph was. He made the best of his situation, even though his situation was not the best. We tend to look at our circumstances sometimes as Americans, and we want everything to align to be perfect. And if things are a little bit of out, out of whack, it's sometimes hard for us to have a positive attitude. Have you ever told yourself, man, I'm going to try to go through this next week and I'm going to do all things without grumbling or complaining. Ever tried that before? How well have you done? Not good. I heard an honest confession here in the front row. We can catch ourselves though, right? And, and sometimes when we, when we make a decision like that, I think we can even challenge ourselves and see how we're truly living. That's not the measure of everything we know. But Joseph became a successful man, and the key to his success was the Lord was with him. You see, you can be successful in ventures in life. You can do a lot of things. You can get accolades from the world. But if you don't have success in God's eyes, ultimately you're nothing. You could have the world applauding you, and the world will applaud you as long as you please them. Have you noticed? You can go from hero to goat in a microsecond 
in the world's eyes. They'll forget you, put you off to the side, put you out to pasture, and they'll move on. That's kind of how the world is. But God does not leave or forsake his people. Hey, listening family, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have in relation to Genesis 39 and how to deal with temptation. We could all use more help on how to deal with temptation. And I wrote a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. And one of the major themes there is how to deal with temptation and really to follow Joseph's lead on how to put on the full armor of God and how to deal with the typical ways that the enemy, the world, and the flesh come at us. It's our special offer on Living Truth Radio, and here's how you get a copy of the book. Go to the website, livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. You'll see the book there. And just go ahead and put for any size donation to Living Truth Radio. We will send you a copy of that book. Just make sure you put your information there. We appreciate your prayers and your financial support. God bless you. Now, his master saw that the Lord was with him. And I want you to notice in verse 3 that unbelievers even see the favor of God in our lives and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Seven times we're going to get a form of this blessing. Seven times, the number seven is an interesting number, the number of perfection or completion. And seven times in Genesis 39, we're told that God put his favor on Joseph or the Lord blessed him or others saw that there was the favor of God on him. This word favor in verse four is the word for grace in the Old Testament. It's a Hebrew word that's spelled C-H-E-N, transliterated into English as ken or chen. And it's a word that speaks of God's goodness. In fact, if you look at the word, it's often used in the Bible in these cases. The word is used of Noah in Genesis 6-8, that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's used of Abraham in Genesis 18-3, of Lot in Genesis 19-19, when he was rescued by the angels. Of Jacob before Esau in Genesis 33. Of Joseph in the eyes of Potiphar in Genesis 39-4. And then repeated in uh, 39-21, God's favor upon him. Israel's favor in the sight of the Egyptians in Exodus 3 and 11. Gideon uh, having the favor of God in Judges 6.17. And Ruth before Boaz. Ruth finding favor in the eyes of Boaz in Ruth chapter 2, verse 10. In Hebrew picture language, uh, grace is uh, defined this way. It's the fence or to protect life. What does grace protect us from? Well, ultimately, grace protects us from the consequences of sin and death. For it is by grace that you have been what? Saved. Grace is what saves you. God saves you by grace. We stand in grace right now because God decided to save us. And so we have this fence of protection in our lives. We're protected from the evil one. Ultimately, the battle has been won, but we still have our battles to face, our small skirmishes, I guess you would say. Uh, the word in Hebrew has the idea of to lean toward, to give compassion to, even to stop and make camp with. And so this is the favor that Joseph was getting from God and it spilled over to other things in his life. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but in my own personal journey, I entered full-time ministry um, around the year 2000. And prior to that, I worked at various companies, just like a lot of you do. 
And uh, I was uh, working as a, a feeder in a, in a printing industry, putting paper on the back of a printing press. And then I sold printing for a company. But I noticed something, that when my life was right with God, uh, God wasn't making my sales calls for me, okay? So I don't want you to get me wrong here. I think God will honor hard work. But I also saw the favor of the Lord on my life. Anybody with me here? I saw how he was blessing me. I saw how my character and just my witness at a company could affect many lives. And that's not me sounding my own horn. That's just me saying God was working in my life and my presence at a particular company was just impacting other people just because of who I was. Because I tried to share my faith with people. Because I tried to show the kindness of God uh, to people along the way. And so Joseph was this, uh, this kind of person. He, he left an imprint on people. I just want to ask you a practical question. What would you say your imprint in your spheres of influence is right now? How are you impacting the company that you work at? How do you impact your family and friends? How do you impact places where you may volunteer? Do people know you're a Christian? Have you left the fragrance of Christ in that place? By your work ethic? By your character? By even taking stands that may not be popular with other co-workers or students, but you've decided to make a stand for Jesus Christ. I'll tell you what, folks. You can have an impact wherever you are if you decide to take a stand for Jesus Christ. And so the Lord was causing this prosperous life to happen for Joseph, even though he was not where he wanted to be uh, in terms of his location. The Lord caused all that he did to prosper. He found this favor. And he, he that is Potiphar, made him overseer, middle of four, of his house or over his house. And all that he owned, he put in his charge. What happened to Joseph is Joseph became what is essentially a steward in the house of Potiphar. A steward, as defined in Scripture, is one who manages his master's goods, takes care of his property. Ultimately, what a steward does is for the sake of his master. Joseph really had no personal belongings per se, but he managed what belonged to his master. And in much the same way, that's what we do as Christians. Ultimately, we are not going to take anything with us. You all know that? Naked we came into the world, naked we're leaving. Even if you're dressed in a fine suit in your casket, all of that's going to wither away as well. We've had people buried with all kinds of stuff. But you're not going to take any of that with you. What you're going to leave behind and what you're going to take with you is what you did here for the kingdom of God. Amen? That's what's really going to matter. And so notice that he was put in charge of all these things. 1 Corinthians 4.2 is a good verse to think about stewardship. It is required of a steward that he be found, what's the word? Faithful, or some translations say trustworthy. And that's what Joseph was. He was a trustworthy man. I don't know how many trustworthy people you run into these days, but I'll tell you this. If a person who's running a company, uh, an employer, finds a trustworthy person, He's going to want to hold on to you. He's going to want to trust you with a cash register or knowing that your ethic is a high ethic. So here's what happens. 
It came about, verse 5, that from that time he made him overseer in his house over all that he owned. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house on account of Joseph. Thus the Lord's blessing was upon all that he owned in the house and in the field. You can almost picture Potiphar sitting on a, a lounge chair, drinking one of those uh, frilly drinks in Egypt with an umbrella coming out of the top and just going, man, Joseph's a man. Joseph, I don't have to worry about anything. This guy's got it. He's taken care of. I'm being blessed. The household, the estate, whatever it was, was doing better. So he left everything he owned in Joseph's charge. That's trust. And with him there, he did not concern himself with anything except the food which he ate. Not sure why that's mentioned there, except that there may have been some sort of uh, way that they uh, prepared the food or some ceremony they went through. I don't know. Now, Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. I think other versions say Joseph was well-built and good-looking. Now, Joseph not only was being blessed by God, but he had it going on on the outside. <clears throat> he was good-looking. He was well-put-together. You say, well, why does the Bible mention things like that? Well, there's a purpose. The Bible's going to mention Joseph's handsome stature, good-looking appearance because he's going to draw the attention of another in this household because of the way he looks. And we'll get there in a second. Like Laban before him, he said, the Lord has blessed me because of you, because of Jacob. That's Genesis 30, verse 27. So Potiphar understood that Joseph's presence was blessing his household as well. Joseph being called handsome in form and appearance is a double accolade, by the way, only mentioned in, uh, in the case of one other person in Scripture that I know of, and it is Rachel, his mom. She, in Genesis 29, 17, is called beautiful in form and appearance, and so is her son. So I think you'd say that he had good genes from mom. It came about after these events, verse 7, that his master's wife, Look with desire. If you have a New King James, it says, she cast longing eyes at Joseph. And she said, she wasn't very subtle. She said, and there's some adult content in here just as a heads up. She said, lie with me. Or if you have the NIV, come to bed with me. So all of a sudden, as Joseph is uh, growing and prosperous, and I'm sure he's getting many attaboys from Potiphar. You're doing a great job. What a great worker you are. Hey, I'm going to give you a 25-cent raise per hour. You're doing great. All of a sudden, he starts walking around the house, and Potiphar's wife starts to look at him with, uh, you might call them the Google eyes. She starts giving him the look. You know the look? And Joseph, I'm sure, began to notice. She cast longing eyes at Joseph. Now, we find out that since Joseph was a good-looking guy and he was in a foreign land where apparently sexual promiscuity was rampant and even uh, sexual sin among those who had servants was rampant, she began to cast this longing look upon him. She began to look at him differently. And, uh, you know, sometimes when, when something like this happens, we know the difference between a look and a look, right? And sometimes we can play, you know, a little bit ignorant about it, but in the end, 
she wasn't making, you know, there was, there was no hiding it. She was looking on him with looks of lust. And then she followed it up with, come and lay with me or come to bed with me. Sexual temptation is an area in life where many, many people fall. Uh, it is running rampant in our society. Some of you have looked at the latest stats on pornography and you know, the adult film industry, and we could make our list right now. It's, it's, a, it's a touch screen away for so many people. They're in bondage right now to sexual sin. And Joseph is in this household, and he's being propositioned by this woman, and she is in a very prominent position. She is the wife of his master. He's, a, he's in a pretty awkward spot. Some years ago, as I was working for this printing company, I was an account executive and I was calling on companies and uh, I had to tell my boss one day that, hey, I have this, this great opportunity and it looks like we can sign a deal with this client, but I said, this woman is making passes at me all the time. And so I'm not sure my boss was a Christian. There was no outward signs that he was. And my boss said to me, well, just start telling her about Jesus and it'll be all right. <laughs> Pretty funny, huh? Just tell her about Jesus. I think you'll be able to quench that. Welcome, listening family. This is Oscar Santa Cruz, producer of Living Truth Radio, and I'm here with Pastor Michael Lance, and you just heard a segment on Genesis chapter 39. And the main character that we have here, we've been listening and studying on, has been Joseph. Now, my question to you, Pastor Michael, concerning this teaching is that Joseph doesn't seem to be getting any better with his circumstances that have been dealt to him. But we do see that he is a kid, right? A, a kid of integrity, a yep. teenager or something. Yes. And one of the things that we also see later on in the Bible is Daniel and his three friends. Boys, or you can even say that they were even men of integrity. Yes. Um, is there anything, what can we take from this study on Genesis chapter 39 that we could apply to us that's happening as an example for us from Joseph. Sure, Oscar. I mean, before we went on the air, we were talking about worldview and we were talking about how your worldview impacts your decision making or it should. And uh, we got to take it really beyond the realm of worldview and talk about relationship. Worldview is important and, and certainly they, they go hand in hand. But let's just talk about Joseph's relationship because Joseph's relationship with God is what really determined his integrity. In verse nine, and I know we're gonna dialogue about this a little bit, but he brings God into the equation. Mm -hmm. So, so he, he understands that if he, if he sins with Potiphar's wife, it's a vertical thing. It's not just about Potiphar being his boss and you know someone that he wants to please. He believes that if he steps out of line, if he breaks the Torah, if he breaks the law, which I think goes part and parcel with Daniel and his three friends, mm -hmm. especially his three friends there at the, the fiery furnace, they don't want to bow down and commit idolatry. So they tell Nebuchadnezzar, we're not going to bow down to your statue, no matter, even on pains of death, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, they have confidence in God, and yet it is their worldview, it is their view of God and their relationship with God that determines their actions. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.